This is your Frederick Real Estate Update, a conversation about the regional real estate market with tips for buyers and sellers. Your hosts, REMAX Results, Darren Ahern, and Presidential Bank Mortgages, Terry Kernan. Hey folks, welcome back to your Frederick Real Estate Update. I am Darren Ahern with REMAX Results. And on this beautiful holiday season, and I also have with me the one and only, the man, the myth, the legend, with all the money over at Presidential Bank, Mr. Terry Kernan. All right, buddy, how we doing? Great. Great. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. It's here. The very thing we've been waiting for is here. Santa's arrived. Yep. We just passed the longest day of the year on the 21st, the winter solstice. And uh, so each day will be longer from here on out. Exactly. And I get excited about that. That is really positive. So even though we have a big turning point for me, we don't know what the (laughs) snow forecast is. We don't know what's going to happen with El Nino and the Ninos and all the others. But we know this. It's going to get lighter every, every single, single day. day. And that's I, the good part about it. So. I hate dark. <laughs> Imagine living, you know, Terry, one thing I'll mention real quick. When I was in Alaska, I took our boys up there many years ago, and it was in the summertime, and it was amazing because here they were, 10 years old, whatever, we're at this camp in Wasilla doing this big youth camp thing, and we're working, and all of a sudden, at about 11 o'clock, midnight, we're building fires, we're making s'mores, and the whole nine yards. And the boys came to me, and the sun is still up. And they said, Dad, can we go to sleep? We're really tired. It was like yeah. midnight. So, yeah, be yeah. glad we're not in Alaska where it's dark all the time or it's light all the time, right? Well, I usually go to Ireland in June, and June 21st, longest day of the year, no matter what country you're in. Just, yeah. Just to let everybody know. Uh, and that is a long day in Ireland. Uh, Mid-June, you're looking at 4.30 in the morning, the sun comes up. And then 10.30 at night, the sun's going down. Unbelievable. And it, yeah, it's it's cool. It's very cool. Well, I hope everybody's having a good holidays. We're going to get right into the news for real estate stuff. Thank you so much for all your questions and things that everybody provides to us throughout the year. And, Terry, this is program number 336. And so you can go on WFMD.com in the drop-down, and you can check out all the past programmings and things like that. So, total of active homes, it's come down. 302, we are hanging on by a thread this Christmas season with 300 homes for sale, 155 resales. Uh, average time 55 days on the market that has definitely climbed up i think terry i think we've peaked out with that i think coming up that's going to be the peak at 475 average price of a single family home new um construction is 147 homes 29 coming soon so that number i think's hit a low i mm-hmm. definitely know we're going to start seeing in january that's going to keep increasing 32 homes sitting temporarily off the market for a bunch of reasons and every so often we get people asking us what's that all about that's just people painting doing this that whatever something they're traveling it could be a million things that cause a temporary off market but we still say those are inventory that's going to be coming back on nine out of ten of those homes typically come back on to the market so pending on the contracts 320 Six under contracts, 137 new builds, 189 resales with an average time of 22 days. And the last 30 days, 232 homes have sold transactions with an average time of 21 days. And out of those, 43 were brand new homes in the last 30 days. So basically in Frederick County, we're going to break it down in layman's terms of exactly where we're at. Basically, we have a brand new house, a new build in Frederick County, every single day sells at least one 
if not one and a quarter, one and a half, but you can't call a quarter a half of a home. But um, that's where we've been. So we, we basically get, you know, if we're having 43 in a month, you're basically having about 550, 600, about 600 brand new homes are built every year in the county. Now, somebody says, well, that doesn't sound like a whole a whole bunch, really. That's, uh, you know, but it is what it is. Resales, 189 of those. So, and uh, year to date, so I want to do, oh, list price ratio, still at 100. And the highest thing that has sold so far this year is $1.8 million. So we have not had a property. Really? We've had 1. commercial. 8. Okay. Now we've had farms and we've had commercial, but as far as um, single family home, you know, that's not on a farmette, not big parcel ground of 100 acres or more, whatever. Uh, we're, we're, we haven't had any over $2 million. So I thought, I thought we would. But uh, we don't. One point eight million and okay. six. But but the number I was surprised about: sixty six homes this year have sold for over a million dollars. Surprised as in too low, or surprised as in Mo- higher? Yeah, high. I didn't think we'd have sixty six. I thought maybe 40, 50 homes would be over a million. Um, but yet we're now getting. We're and, and you know a lot of times Terry, we would see these homes on three, five, ten acre lots you know, 6,000 square feet, or we're now starting to see more homes than ever in a community that is now reaching a million dollars, like Villages of Urbana or the Highlands um, and things like that. So, yeah, we're starting to see homes that I just saw one this last week in Clover Clover Ridge, uh, 750,000 on just a small lot. So this is what we're starting to see now is in communities seeing homes now starting, um, you know, starting to see them being over a uh, million dollars. So when I first got into the business up here, uh, first got into the business, this was my territory, Frederick. <clears throat> my average loan was about $80,000. <laughs> Today it's about three hundred and fifty, <laughs> And I remember back then going to um, – uh, uh, Community Ainsley, which uh, yeah was built by Wayne and and um, the boy, it's been a long time, but uh, but the bottom line is is, is they were going for like three hundred thousand back then. Three hundred thousand was a million dollar house yeah, it is. today. Does that oh yeah? Does that compare? And today three hundred thousand dollars that's not even that that's most townhouses are going for four fifty. Oh yeah. So it just uh, you know, but that was thirty. 37 years ago so uh but that's just amazing how it's gone up that much so with uh year-to-date numbers since we're coming at the end of the year four thousand i don't know if we'll reach that we might we might get there over five thousand homes for the year we have uh if you take for sale buyers and stuff which is a little bit of the market by the way there may be two three four hundred transactions like that four thousand nine hundred and forty five homes have sold in frederick county year-to-date and there's been 1,083, actually, you know, 1,000 things, new builds. And then, um, and then 38, 62 resales, average time of the resales we take, 16 days in the market with a 101.5% loan uh, to, to the list price to sale price ratios. And that number's been coming down a tiny bit, but not by really that much. So those are some of those numbers. Um, yeah. So, all right, let's get right on into... Um, Life on the streets in the mortgage world and the economy. What's happening? So this week, uh, and I talked last week that, that we 
saw a huge drop in the rates. Things have kind of settled out a little bit. But the 10-year bond, the 10-year yield, the yield of the 10-year has gone under 4%, which is a huge milestone. And that is a trend on where rates usually go, usually. Okay? People say, well, they have nothing to do with each other. But in, in they do. They do. When the 10-year goes up, rates go up. When the 10-year goes down, rates go down. So we're going to see it continue. So what caused a little bit of uh, good news this week is the GDP came in at 4.9%, slightly lower than they thought, which which is good news. Okay, so GDP um, is basically uh, uh, what we're taking a look at is this GDP is the summation of <clears throat> all the costs, all the goods that are sold. Okay, and the other thing that came out is the PCE, which is the producer uh, consumption expenditures, mm-hmm. product consumption expenditures. That number came out low. That's a number that's a boring number that you never really hear about that much. But the feds do love that number when thinking about what inflation and where inflation is going. And so the the personal consumption expenditure it rose just 0.1% in November. So it's not the big one that everybody hears about, but it's the one that the feds really, really, really take a look at. As I've always said, it's the boring one. Mm-hmm. It's it's the one that, you know, it, it's the long lost cousin that nobody really thinks about, <laughs> but actually carries a pretty big role in the inflation thing. So what am I predicting? Uh, that rates are going to continue to level out yeah. and go down a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the demand is going to be coming up um, pretty quickly here around January 10th. People are going to get settled in. Yep. You know, the phone started to ring a little bit last week and then it hasn't rang this week. It's not going to ring next week. But what we're going to do is we're going to start to see more demand. So the, so the number that jumped out the most to me is sold in the past 30 days that you went over, 232 that's not going to cut it, okay? Yeah. That's not going to cut it. That number is going to be way up, so we got to get the supply up, and I don't know how we're going to do that. But things are looking good. Things are feeling good. Um, you know, enthusiasm breeds enthusiasm, and that's what we're seeing in the market right yeah. now. Yeah, and we're at about, what, okay. six and a half-ish, six and a quarter, six and a half, whatever interest rate, depending on what we, loan type. It, it all, yeah, depending on what loan type. Yep. The, the FHA is going to be lower. Uh, yep. But the be- the biggest thing is they've settled down. Oh, yeah. Remember I talked no about— No highs, no lows for the minute. Yeah. They, this this is like the first week in a while. It hasn't felt like a wild roller coaster. What's going to happen out there? Yeah, we're starting to see where investors are wanting to give the loans. You know, um, you can actually get a loan now without paying any points, right? Yeah. Oh, because okay. the, oh in, yeah. Because the investors that are buying them yep. are, are increasing the margins there a little bit. Okay. Because they know that the loan will be on the books for longer than yeah, longer six, eight, rates. 10, 12 months. Gotcha. That makes good but sense. But at eight and a quarter percent, they knew that Woo. they were going to be yeah. short-term, <laughs> short-term loans. Short-term lived. So uh, things are great. Things are looking great. Yeah. And, um, uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier with the way that the year has ended. Uh, it's it's sure brought a little bit bit of life back into our industry. 
Yeah. One of the things, questions, I'm going to be going over some good things of, that with Terry. We've had questions on that I've either neglected to put, that I've jotted down. It's in my phone or something, or I just neglected to, to, to bypass it for a while here, and I don't want to do that. I thought we would take this whole next segment to get into what are some of the bigger questions we've had so far recently. What happens, this is the thing, buyers, buyers are going to come out more and more. We're going to see the, um, that pick up quite a bit. What happens if a buyer's loan is not approved? What are the top reasons and solutions behind someone's loan not getting approved? Okay, so this is an unprepared question. We chatted a little bit, yeah. but but let's talk about why somebody doesn't. First of get all, approved. it's really rare. Like we want to mention, I want you to mention on a scale to one to a hundred. If you have a hundred loans, how many of them do not get approved by the underwriter? How's that? Well, um, it's, 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 see, it all goes with the market, right? Yeah. So oh, yeah. so if it's a buyer's market, okay. If, this, if there's a lot of supply out there and and people are, you know, sellers are begging people to buy their house, okay, then a lot, then everybody's trying to buy the house. Everybody's trying to get in. So you have more loans that are turned down during a buyer's market because you have everybody, you know, throwing spaghetti against the wall and seeing what sticks. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's the bottom line. In a seller's market, there's a lot of people that maybe couldn't buy when we were seeing four and five contracts, but you always had the pick of the litter, right? You always were picking the cash deal. You were always picking the 40% down, the conventional loan. So you didn't have such an opportunity to deal with people's loans going bad. Okay. Right now, yep. mm -hmm. things have settled down a little bit. It's not the seller's market. There's not four or five deals on the table. So we're seeing more challenging loans out there. Okay. Now, what can cause a loan to not be approved? Let's talk about what is a loan application. So if somebody comes in and they do a loan application and they give you all the, you know, their income, you have a property that constitutes a loan application, but you have all the things that make a loan application. If you have those, then the loan officer should be able to tell very quickly whether that loan is approvable or not. Right. And if <clears throat> if it if they say, yeah, this is approvable, here's a letter, Darren, go write this contract, they write the contract, and then something happens before settlement. Yep. Let's say a week before settlement. Usually what happens is a I didn't know about this. I didn't know about that. Is it always a problem that somebody did not talk about? A lot of times people don't even think about <clears throat> think about why, what comes up. But here are some things that come up. Somebody losing their job. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. Somebody buying something when they shouldn't have. Somebody's credit going. Well, go buy a, buying something they shouldn't have. You mean like I bought a car? I'm so excited! I had a car wreck and I had to get another one. I just bought a loan. I got a loan. I bought a car, or I want to get furniture for that nice house I move into next month or coming up. Yes, people have done that. <laughs> Don't do that. <laughs> but the key is when your loan comes in, you we as a we as an industry, the mortgage industry, we have. to to tell people what they need to hear and not what they want to hear. Yeah. And what I mean by that is we are very slow right now, so people will do crazy things to get a loan. And, you know, there's a lot of loan officers out there that will say, okay, yeah, I can get this deal done, 
because they have two jobs, right? But the rule is you got to have a two jobs pattern for two years, not two months. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, because a so, lot of people have a tendency to say, ooh, the only way I can qualify more is let me run out and get a side hustle besides my full-time job. Let me get a second job. And then they're thinking what? In the first month? Well, I've been there a month. Why can't you use that income? Correct. So that's not part of the deal because that's what's going to stop you from quitting the job after you go to settlement. So we're going to look for a two-year history. So some things that can cause a, a deal to fall through is, you know, the appraisal, we all know, can come in low. And we've talked about that before. But really, if it's coming down to the end and all of a sudden you get a phone call and say the borrower no longer qualifies, it's usually something that they did not disclose. Yep. And most of the time it is not like, I'll give you a perfect example. Uh, I just had one where um, where we run reports, right? And we had a borrower that was very well qualified and they had a property out of state. They had an investment property out of state, did not know about it. It was a, it was a second home out of state. They never told us and it came up on a report and we said, so do you own this property? And they said, yes, we do. And they said, well, okay, tell us about it. Well, we didn't tell you about it because we own it free and clear. Yeah, what difference does it make? Well, <laughs> you still pay taxes and insurance on it, which yes. is a monthly payment. Yes. So we had to get the taxes and insurance on that property, okay. and it came up to 400 bucks, but they were still well within. So it's things like that that come up at the end that are, uh, well, we didn't know that. Very rarely do you have something where somebody comes up and says, I just didn't know it or I didn't or I made a mistake or I miscalculated something. That does happen, but it really, really shouldn't happen because you have a lot of people. You got the loan officer, then it goes to the processor right. or the uh, loan officer, um, you know, assistant loan officer, loan officer assistant goes to the underwriter. So if the underwriter comes back and says, well, we can't use this income, then we got to figure things out. Then we got to figure, well, can we get a co-signer? Can we pay off debt? Okay. I see. Yeah. So if somebody has bonus income, uh, overtime income, there are certain rules. You just don't take that number and divide it by 12 and move on. Okay. A lot of loan officers do that. You can't do that. You got to average each situation is different. So People who have loans turned down are usually, um, it's usually income related. We already know what your credit is, but it's usually income and ratio related where yep. something came into the picture at the end that was not quite there. Yeah, that's the big one. I was thinking back the only times in my 20 years that I had a listing or a buyer to where the financing completely fell through. Like it was not approved. This isn't going to happen. There's really no solutions. I think there was only like two instances. The solutions, and those were extreme. Obviously, these are extreme cases typically. Um, but the nice part is 95% or more of them get through. There's a solution and and uh, something can, can be done. Um, how many times one of the solutions I was thinking about was loan to value with the ratio. And now uh, they, they added some debt and qualify now or whatever. How hard is it for a buyer to change loan types in the middle of a contract? If let's say they start off with conventional mm -hmm. and or or FHA or USA or whatever it is, how often do you see that you actually change the entire loan type 
because the loan-to-value ratio limits are different for each loan type, and now they fit into that box, if you will, and this is the only box you can fit into, Mr. Buyer, and that's that, even if they don't like it, even though they say, well, I don't want, I don't want that kind of – how often do you deal with that? It deep, once again, goes back to the market, okay? Uh -huh. So the market that we're in now – we're getting a lot of challenging loans. So we do have probably one in six or seven that we start out conventionally and we have to flip it to FHA. Okay, yeah. Uh, because something came up. Uh, I had one where uh, 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 gentleman um, uh, didn't tell me about child support, but it was on his pay stub. When I asked him, he goes, oh, I, he said, you know, that's ending in in 13 months. So I didn't think it counted <laughs> so so we dealt with that and it was fine it yeah. got this but but that's an example of something that comes up so we do look at and the good news is is if you start at conventional fanny and freddie have their guidelines we have situations darren uh where somebody's self-employed and ah this is a big one yeah somebody's self-employed they want to do a conventional loan fanny and freddie basically have different underwriting guidelines for self-employed. So if somebody's self-employed, I know right out of the gate, I'm taking them Freddie Mac. Why? Because if they've been in business for five years or more, we right. only need one year's taxes. Yeah. Fannie Mae says two years taxes. So so switching from Fannie to Freddie, still sticking with the conventional, we do that a lot. Flipping from a FHA to a conventional, that will happen um, not that often, but you know, we're dealing with challenging times. Most of the time we'll start with an FHA and we'll actually, you know, stick with an FHA and there's not really an opportunity to switch it to a conventional. What would be the best, what is the best, what is the number one thing, um, to be able to go from an FHA to a more desirable conventional loan? Would it be somebody's credit? They paid things off, their credit went up, and now they qualify for conventional, whereas under FHA they had to do that because of credit issues or um, income? Or what? what is the thing that switches? What is the thing you look for or help someone with to go from an FHA to conventional if that's more beneficial for their situation? So FHA usually has a lower rate, but they usually have – and. and they always had higher mortgage insurance, oh, yeah. but they did change the mortgage insurance. Mm -hmm. So now it's very comparable right. to conventional. So if you have a situation where you're at FHA, and I've had this, people come in and they start with me, um, and, and you and I just did one together. They came in, credit was low, we worked on the credit, we, we had them approved at FHA, but when they bought their house and went to settlement, they went conventional because we worked with them to pay off some debt, get things cleaned up, pay down the balances on some loans, get things cleaned up, and their credit score shot up by about 60 points, and now it put them in a better position to go with conventional. So what we're going to take a look at is what's going to give you the lowest payment, right? People really aren't as concerned about rate as they are concerned about two things. How much money's coming out of my pocket and what is my payment? Rate, rate's usually third place. Yeah. Although that's what everybody shops for. Right. <clears throat> they don't really always third. look at, you know, let's take a look at what's my payment. So that's what I do is I evaluate how's this gonna help somebody. If somebody's going to refinance in the next 12 months, next 14 months, 18 months, 24 months, 
I don't want to put them into an FHA unless I have to because they have to pay that upfront mortgage insurance, which disappears. There you go. When you switch to a conventional. All right. So Terry's got it down pat. That's why you want to go to him, and he is going to help you guys out with everything you need to make sure you stay qualified, remain qualified, get your loan approved and all that. And I know you guys do a great job of um, solving things and getting solutions for things. All right. We got about four minutes left in the program. Here it is. In what case is it good for a seller to get a pre-home inspection? This was um, uh this was something that's been coming up more and more. I've dealt with many a times. A few things you got to consider is number one, it does cost $500 or so. So I always recommend older homes, things that aren't newer. There's issue. You don't want surprises. So yeah, it's about $500. It's sometimes in cases I've done them with sellers, best $500 you ever spend boys and girls. It's good to know what may need to be fixed in attention before listing. So that it does not become an issue to a buyer and cancel out and ruin your whole darn sale and uh, it be, makes it more sellable so this is this is we're getting into we're in the market now where this is more prevalent than ever um, but it can be a negative though there is a negative that it can be negative because once you discover once a seller knows and discovers what is known as a material fact a known issue with a house that's significant and you don't fix it you have to disclose that. You can't be like, oh, no, 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 I didn't know about that. I know I just had a pre-home inspection. No, you have to. I tell sellers, this is non-negotiable. You absolutely have to. Roof leaks, electrical issues. You know, we're not we're not talking about, well, we have to disclose the ice maker broke 10 years ago. And it's never been used since and we never fixed it. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the basement leaks. There's an issue with the electrical. There's a there's there's something substantial that if a buyer knew about this, they probably would have either not offered on your home or they would offer a lot less money for your home or some other terms or whatever it was. Can, can I ask a quick question? Cause, oh, yeah. Because this – so you're talking about disclosure. So if I get a home inspection and I basically hire somebody to come in and tell me what's wrong with my house that I'm going to sell, mm -hmm. which I thoroughly will do when I go to sell my house. But what you're saying is you have to disclose anything from that home inspection. So my question to you is I'm selling my house. I don't get that pre-inspection. A, a buyer comes in yep. and his home inspector his home inspector or her home inspector that they paid, that they hired, said, hey, you got a bad septic here. Do And they say, well, we're getting out of the contract because of our home inspection. Do I, the seller, now have to disclose that, that somebody else got a bad – Yeah. Because I, I – I, I don't even know that home inspector. I didn't. That's what I mean. That's so, the fight we have is we get sellers that say, hey, can I get a second opinion and override the other one? I mean, you can show the public two of them all day long if there's a discrepancy. And by the way, there's always something really small, but not usually that big. But yes, the answer to that, you have to disclose that. So a lot of these items I tell people. You might as well fix it and deal with it now with the okay. buyer that's in your hand and deal with it again later and take a chance on being on the market longer, becoming stigmatized and stale and having to deal with renegotiating all that stuff like that. It's 99% better to deal with what's going on in front of you right now. And as far as a pre one, this is where I've seen so many sellers save so much money 
by not getting nickel and dime, by doing things that they know about. And so nine out of 10 times, Terry, it's a really smart move to get a pre-home inspection before you sell your home. And that would be now coming up for the spring market or anytime. So, hey, folks, Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. 2023 is about a wrap. It's been awesome and amazing. We are here for you. Take care and have a great day. Happy buying and selling from your Frederick Real Estate Update. Take care. It's Meg Goller with Community Title Network. Experience close to home. Community Title Network is the most trusted title and settlement partner for real estate professionals, buyers, and sellers. Our team is comprised of the most skilled and experienced underwriters in our region to ensure your rights are secured as an owner or as a lender. We combine that with our skilled and experienced attorneys, settlement agents, and processing staff who ensure a smooth closing experience. Our Frederick office is conveniently located along Carroll Creek in downtown Frederick. For your next settlement, give Community Title Network a call. We're at 301-304-6620. At Community Title Network, we challenge the norm. Where good is the benchmark for many, we aim for greatness. Hello, this is Terry Kernan with Presidential Bank Mortgage in downtown Frederick. And the best way to reach me always is on my cell phone at 301 639 9244-301-639-9244, or you can always email me at tkernan at presidential.com. And this is Darren Ahern from REMAX Results. You can reach me anytime, 240-344-1713. Again, it's 240-344-1713 or at DarrenAhern at gmail.com. Thanks so much for tuning in to your Frederick Real Estate Update. We will see you each and every Saturday right here on WFMD at 11 o'clock. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com.